welcome to the AcroChats podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the practice of acrobatics in the global acro community. I'm Sean. And I'm Emily. We're partners and teachers based out of New York City, and we love acro. Each week, we dive into acro topics, including training tips and methodology, happenings in history of the practice, and interviews with acro practitioners from around the world. Come hang with us as we explore the world of acro and its global community. Welcome back to Acro Chats, everyone. I'm Sean, here with Emily. Hi. And we're going to do a podcast about acro, a chatting uh, style podcast. Um, How's it going, Emily? It's great. You know, we're uh, starting to make some serious plans for May. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have a, uh, a acro festival coming up, as it would be. Well, really a, a movement festival. Um, so to give away the, uh, the secret topic of today, we're going to be talking about festivals. It's not connected to the fact that we have a festival coming up May 6th to 8th. But, uh, yeah, we're going to spend the next uh, 45 minutes 45 to an minutes. hour. <laughs> yeah, rambling, talk, ex- giving our insights onto <laughs> the world of festivals, acro festivals it would be. So let's just get it out of the way. May 6th to 8th at Cirque House in New York City, we're having the Cirque House Festival. We did this back in November. It was the first event we ever did in the, our new circus training space in Midtown Manhattan, New York City, New York, <laughs> USA, 2021 it was. This one will be 2022. Um, but yeah, we had our festival. It's a little bit different than typical acro festivals um, in that we definitely have a, a little bit more of an emphasis on movement and like movement beyond just like partner acrobatics. So uh, we have every session, there's an option to do something that is not with a uh, partner. So there's a there's always going to be like a session dedicated to uh, flexibility, handstands, tumbling, floor work, um, different movement styles from different teachers. Um, so we have a whole bunch of different great teachers coming in for this. Um, We'll announce names on the other parts of the internet, just (laughs) because that becomes a long list, but they're great teachers. Yeah, keep your eye on the socials. We'll teach too. Yeah, we'll be there. Adequate teachers. (laughs) Um, Friday night performances, really spectacular uh, circus performers of different disciplines, um, music. Mm -hmm. Someone's going to sing. Is it going to be me? Probably maybe. We'll find out, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. What so, about what's an acro festival, Emily? Well, we're gonna kind of spend the episode diving into acro festivals more broadly. Um, so you know, a lot of people have been to a festival of some sort, like a music festival, for instance. And acro festivals kind of grew out of the same idea, which is like as destination event, I would say, um, that people go to to experience acro instruction over more than one day. Um, I would say maybe occasionally there's like a one day event, but um, it's usually like a weekend long. And um, basically it's an opportunity for people from acro communities that are normally kind of spread out in different cities different countries even, to kind of gather and learn from instructors um, maybe that they don't normally get to work with and choose from lots of different topics, um, different skill sets to to learn throughout um, the course of a weekend. Kind of like when you go to a music festival and there's like several stages of performers that you can kind of choose where you want to watch. Yeah, so your typical acro festival um, is going to have multiple classes um, over like a larger block of time. Um, so the smallest festival I've seen has been like a one day like mini festival or even like kind of like half day f- festivals. But once you have more than just like one class or even like 
even really like two classes total, um, more than one teacher, more than one set of teacher, more than one set of uh, sessions, we start to dive into this uh, realm of grids and festival, grid yeah. schedules and festivals. So typically like um, you'll see, let's say it's a Saturday and a Sunday, and then there's like three or four time chunks on Saturday and like three or four time chunks on Sunday. And each of those chunks of time, you can choose From out of several classes that are offered during that chunk of time. So let's say a typical session starts at like 10 a.m. It's a 90-minute session. Then your next uh, session is like starting like 10.30 or 11, however it may be. You do that session. There's a lunch break. And then there'll be, after the lunch break, there'll be like two more kind of equally timed sessions. Um, different things that there's also at festivals often is um, like some sort of social event. So sometimes it's just like jams, like big uh, kind of like open playtime either immediately after the session or maybe it's like at a separate location even. Um, sometimes there's larger blocks of time allotted to intensives. These are usually done for people that are getting to the festival before like the main weekend or staying um, after it. So usually like the most concentrated part of the festival is gonna be like the Saturday and the Sunday and then there'll be kind of more specialty, deeper dives on like days surrounding it. So often like the Friday, um, it's kind of been like a custom that there'll be like uh, day long intensives. That's what we're doing at a Cirque House Festival, May 6th to 8th. Yep. Um, sometimes there's things like pre-fests and post-fest, which will just be maybe one class or even, at times I've seen it be like little mini festivals. We did um, <clears throat> a pre-fest intensive that extended over like I think three days um you know we participated in that as students um so it was like three entire days and then the weekend festival yeah we did that at least twice right yeah yeah um, we did that once with uh, Jason Niemer mm -hmm. at Divine Play and we also did it with Duo Die yes good so, peeps <laughs> um some not all that some. yeah I think, um, I think basically the kind of the point is there's like the social element of getting lots of people together that maybe normally live in communities that are more far apart, um, but then also the opportunity to like learn from some kind of A-list instructor, instructors that don't necessarily live in your same city. Um, so that, you know, builds up a lot of excitement. I think you probably have a better awareness of like the history of acro festivals. Um, hmm, <laughs> where to start? Well, you could say that Woodstock was <laughs> not. Um, so there's a fun, there's a picture of like someone doing like a backbird. Pretty sure they're naked. They might not be naked. That just might be how I'm remembering it at they're, Woodstock. At least they're covered in mud, probably. At least, yeah. I mean, we're all naked under the clothes. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, the first acro festivals, um, you know, I don't really know. I'm going to say the Dutch Acrobatics Convention in the Netherlands is something that I know has been happening for a long time. Uh, and that was actually the inspiration for what I believe to be the first U.S. festival, which was Divine Play. And that was like a festival that uh, some of the founders of Acroyoga kind of put together. And I wasn't around, uh, I was like a teenager in like the first years of Divine Play, but I've seen like the videos of like both like them announcing it um, and like what the first ones looked like. And it really is incredible to see how that event uh, started as like a pretty like, humble beginning, like no bigger than like the festival that we started with. And it grew into something like the festival that we put on in November on a few, few months notice. Um, and it grew into this like massive, like production that I think the largest, if I'm not mistaken, I think the largest divine play, there was 1100 participants in I, 2017. That sounds intense. I don't know or if that's true. A thousand, I think. I didn't remember it being that high, but it it could have been. Um, 
I thought it was something like 600, but I, I totally could be wrong. Um, Bassam, <laughs> I know you don't listen to our podcast, <laughs> but I know you know the answer to this question. So if well, someone will ask Bassam if, uh, and he can relay us back the information via you. I think there was also this little like creep in the US of <clears throat> like acro starting to emerge in festival settings. Um, so like Wanderlust Festival. Um, Wanderlust is a festival that it kind of started as like a combo um, like movement event. Of, they do like a mindfulness event and then a run and then a yoga practice. Yeah, I got this. Wanderlust was started by Skylar, the, uh, one of the founders of Kula Yoga. And it mainly was these like three-day festivals. I could be wrong, but I think at least, uh, I feel assured in my answer at least. So it's based on something. Uh, these three-day festivals often, maybe even like longer sometimes, and they would combine music, uh, yoga, meditation, classes, lectures. Um, they would be done like outdoors. Um, and like Emily said, Acro would kind of like show up in like these kind of environments. I know for sure that like Acro was like a very like mainstay of like the Wanderlust festivals. And I don't know if they still do those festivals. Maybe they're coming back. Um, but there's also was like day long Wanderlust events. The Wanderlust 108 was yeah. like the one Emily was talking about with the run. They did a mindful triathlon, but you know, I assisted some of these events and got like offers to come up and like teach Acro classes. And these are where a lot of people actually get exposed to things like um, acro for the first time sometimes and other events like other big music festivals like Interfusion or even like Burning Man is a giant ass festival of sorts. I feel like some burner is going to be really upset that I said that but uh, it's like <laughs> it's so much okay. more man. It's okay so like in the broader <laughs> landscape of festivals acro shows up and and people kind of get to experience it that way and then we've sort of funneled this into um Acro, acro festivals <laughs> and the acro festivals are like a really are one of the places that over the years like a lot of people have gotten to know each other um so at first there were kind of like just these bigger i mean at first there was one but i think like not that long after divine play like it may have even been like new york acro fest um i could be wrong um that was um uh, these like more local festivals started to come about and some of them uh, would have happened for like seven years in a row. Um, and you know, Divine Play, was it always in Portland? Uh, no, Divine Play, I think, it definitely was in San Francisco for a few years, but I want to say it was in like somewhere weird. <laughs> Not like, to like, judge. Like, like Santa Fe or something. Well, I can't anyway, say that's true. <laughs> that's yeah, so, a, a very like not fact-checked episode. So, um, you know, there was this like first yearly festival that started, but I think it's like people really enjoy these experiences and it's like a real like coming together um, and everyone has, a, there is something in common. Like we're, we're all doing the same activity. So you already know that you kind of have found your people. So I think there was quite quickly um, a desire for festivals in locations. Um, you know, if there's one in the Pacific Northwest, then like, let's have an East Coast festival. And then like, let's have a Florida festival. And then, you know, so now it's prolifer proliferated. Um, before yeah. COVID, the year before COVID, um, we taught at festivals in May, June, July, and August that year. Yeah, and we easily could have, like, there easily could have been more festivals than that. Um, I mean, there's people that uh, really go on, like, the festival teaching tour, at least, like, in the uh, the four times. Now, uh, acro festivals are starting to come back. We uh, recently, we had our festival, Acro Love, happened. Uh, we just came back from Colorado Acro Fest. And then we have this new one, and there's also other festivals going on. Uh, they have festivals down in St. Pete, uh, Florida. Um, and, you know, that's just going to keep coming back in, like, a bigger and bigger way. Um, 
is my is my thoughts. But like right before uh, the pandemic began, it was almost like every major city in the country had some level of uh, a festival going on. And sometimes it was even like not a major city. It would be just like, hey, I want to do a festival. Come over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's Ohio. There's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's uh, literally like, I mean, there was a San Francisco Acro Fest. There's always, we have to, got to give a shout out to Acro Love. They put on some really big festivals for many years. Yeah. Flips events. Yeah. Um, But there's festivals, like, you know, as you get to smaller cities, um, Chicago Acro Fest, Mm -hmm. Philly Flight. Mm -hmm. We're going to stop naming festivals. (laughs) Cirque House Festival. May 6th to 8th, 2022. (laughs) We expect to see you there. We will be saddened if you have chosen to dishonor us <laughs> just take this podcast for free and not show up to our festival but anyway um not that we're judging or holding a grudge against anyone but anyway uh yeah there was festivals everywhere and i think that's going to probably come back and you know small, the small nod also to the um international scene <laughs> um oh yeah you know, we have a, we have a whole menu of options now in the u.s domestic but um like it, as sean mentioned it, i think dutch acro probably preceded all of it <laughs> yeah i think dutch may have had some like the biggest um festivals out there and like i said that was actually the inspiration for divine play um so like you know shout out to the uh to the Dutch, whichever of our Dutch friends <laughs> got did that, that started. I know, I know, I probably know who it is, but I don't know which. I would have to take we'll have several to guesses. We'll have to ask Nico. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a fest in Israel for sure. Um, They've been doing Sicily. that for number. Oh, Sicily. Yeah, there's Sicilian acro. Yeah, um, French acro. Yeah, I mean. I feel like Chiang Mai has a festival. Who knows? Maybe not. Thailand? There's definitely a Thai festival. Uh, but we're going to just stop. Uh, there was a Japan festival also. And, uh, I mean, which is to say, like, these are, all festivals are open to anyone. You know, like, you don't have to live. Yang. You don't have to <laughs> live fest. in the Netherlands to go to Dutch Acro. So this becomes, like, a really good way to, like, <laughs> you know, say you want to go somewhere. Um, you, you know, pack an acro festival on top of it. Um, so what kind of content can you expect at an acro festival is like a really interesting uh, aspect of this because it's different than what you would get at like a normal group class a lot of times. So in like standard group classes, they often happen like over, they repeat like every week often, um, or maybe it's like a monthly offering but often it's going to be like the same teacher or like the same set of teachers that you learn with over maybe a more sustained period of time. And the material um, often is going to be tailored towards people getting started in the practice. And then depending on the size of your community, there might be more advanced offerings. And then like, you know, often there's going to be workshops that come up either by local teachers or by visiting teachers, um, and those will be either a little bit more deeper dives into things, more in more challenging material that maybe it's just harder to get people together for, like that are at that prereq skill level. So that's kind of like what you, you get know, at a where normal you, festival, or that's what you would get kind of like in non-festival in your settings, local, like home class situation, um, or then, your your hometown class situation. But a festival is a different experience. <laughs> so at a festival, you're going to get uh, these larger gatherings of people that have been doing acro for longer a lot of times. So there's also going to be different choices. So people are going to be willing for some of those choices to be harder options. So often you'll get kind of separate tracks at a festival, something like there'll be a beginner, an intermediate, and an advanced one. Sometimes there, I think at some festivals I've seen like at Divine Play, I believe there was something like seven simultaneous festivals uh, or classes. And there would be um, sometimes like 40, 50, maybe even more people in each of those classes. Um, At an event of that scale, when there's like seven simultaneous 
class offerings, there's everything from like a therapeutic option, you know, like you want to take this session to kind of be more chill and treat your body all the way up through like expert level um, skills. Yeah. And some of the, a lot of times you'll be bringing together like um, a lot of really advanced acrobats or uh, acro teachers um, and people want to learn from those people. So you get kind of like a lot of really good people showing up to these things who get to also like work with really good people. Even like the festival teachers will take the classes. So you get uh, sometimes workshops on advanced skills like um, cannonballs or like drag ups or advanced like Icarian things. One uh, of our uh, favorite memories from a festival, we'll, we'll tell this story forever, is... Uh, taking a whips class alongside Nathan and Isis of standing acrobatics who are a hand-to-hand duo but they had never practiced whips before so they were teaching at the festival but then they were taking this whips class and it was it was a more advanced it was a whip pops class (laughs) um by the acro mutants and um yeah they were like what's a whip? So, <laughs> but you know, they did great. They're professional acrobats. One time Isis stepped on Nathan's throat. I enjoyed that moment, but, um, you know, he's got a resilient throat apparently. Um, but yeah, at these festivals you get to work with, you might get the opportunity to work with new people. Um, if you want to do it, you also might choose to go to it with like a person that you've if you have an acro partner with them or with a person that you've kind of done acro with on a more regular basis, that way you get to, um, you know, come into it with a little bit more calibration. Maybe you can like accomplish some of the bigger skills, but a big part of the fun of acro festivals is also getting to, uh, work with other people, um, and people that you don't commonly get to work with. So I've sometimes seen like, uh, partnerships, like, uh, go separate ways during the festival to like learn uh, more uh, material. Um, and that works particularly well when it's at like a little bit more like a beginner intermediate skill level. When you get to more advanced things, often you want to like uh, have some level of like experience with them if you're trying to do something hard like a um, front tuck or like. I mean, even then, like, I've accomplished some, like, really, um, sometimes, like, you know, the the limits within your partnership um, will just, like, make something that you might just not think that you're able to do something at all, and then you do it with someone else, and you suddenly, like, understand, like, oh, wow, it's possible for me to do this thing. It's certainly um, in the realm of possibility that, like, you know, if we, the two of us, wanted to attend a festival, you know, for the most part, we would do most of the sessions together. Um, if we're, you know, learning in the sessions, um, we probably would do most of them together, but it's also completely within the realm of possibility that like there might be a handstand topic that like someone is teaching that I would take and like an advanced Icarian thing that Sean would maybe want to base with someone that's like a really good tumbler or something. And we would potentially do, a session separately and then come back together later. Um, some people attend festivals like solo, you know, and like that's completely fine too. Yeah. yeah. Often people it's like go a big, without a partner. Often it's a pretty big trepidation for people. Um, they're like, Oh, um, do you know anyone who's coming to the festival? Like I don't have a partner and you know, this can be a thing, but part of it is also like, um, those situations can kind of get like kind of overwhelming if you if you are shy about it but often there's going to be a lot of other people there that want to do acro and you know if you're a polite person that um you know like communicates well and you uh also can take no if someone says uh that they have like a partner that they're working with or they don't want to take you onto their group um you can have like a really good time Um, you know, it's really interesting, like people, these festivals, like they're so, there's so many people at them. There's so much like energy kind of like brewing up. They become like, sometimes people have like pretty like intense experiences. It can be kind of almost overwhelming. Um, and that's a way I only bring this up so that you can go into it. Just kind of knowing that 
like there will be a lot of energy because uh, you're going to see maybe it's a lot of your friends, maybe it's a lot of strangers, maybe think, probably both. I think like a good thing to remember is that like you again you already have something in common with everyone there, you know, because everyone is there to do this thing that um, is a common interest. Um, we've often had uh, the interaction at a festival where like if we are particularly interested in learning something together in our partnership, um, you know, and then someone approaches that maybe didn't come with a partner, uh, we, Sean and I will practice together and then I will offer maybe to base the third person. And like my skill level in basing is not quite as high as Sean's, um, but that's okay, you know, as long as that person feels okay with kind of learning alongside me. So then we kind of incorporate a third member in our group in that way. And I think that that is quite common, you know, if you're attending solo um, and you feel okay sort of navigating that sort of situation, um, that, that definitely happens a lot. Yeah, I would say in general, like with, um, in acro, like, if you show up to like any kind of practice environment um, without like a dedicated partner, one of the best ways to kind of like have a fun time is not really be attached so much to like the outcomes of like the biggest skills or like don't measure your success by like how far you're able to get in like this getting to the furthest spot in the skill set that you know you possibly can because you know, like you kind of left a lot of things up to chance and that's completely fine because a lot of, there's a lot to be learned even if you're just like learning something with a new person. Even if that person's completely new, there's probably like a layer that you can be like kind of benefiting from. But especially at these like festivals, even if someone's not at your exact same skill level, even if they're like a little bit newer to you, if you're, let's say you're a flyer that shows up and there's like a slightly more beginner base, like you can still like really like learn how to uh, lead from the top. <laughs> so um, one kind of takeaway from a festival is, uh, especially if you've never been to one before, most people are comfortable and familiar with their local teachers and their local group classes. Um, and so maybe you've gotten accustomed to that teaching style or that teacher's skill set or that pair's skill set. Um, you know, like we teach a lot of whips and we have a way that we teach whips and the people in New York City are at this point pretty familiar with how we teach whips. Um, but then you can go to a festival and take a class with teachers that don't live near you and maybe they have an entirely different style. Maybe they come from a cheerleading background, you know, and it's like a, it's a different way of moving through progressions and you take in that information and rather than being too worried about like accomplishing the peak skill within that 90 minute session um, you just kind of process the information you digest it and then you have maybe some new words to link up to a skill that you can go home and practice yeah you also might just get something that's not necessarily a new skill, but it's something like um, a new game or a new like piece of choreography that you just perhaps happen to like. I always like look at these events. If there's like one or two things that you come out of it that's like new, then like that's really successful because like you didn't have that thing before, especially if it's something you really like. Like I learned how to base um, some of my first whips at, at a festival. And like that has served me well as I've gone on to teach whips at other festivals. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the first few events I went to, I was sort of uh, concerned with like being uh, successful or like achieving in every single session. Um, and there's four sessions a day most of the time. And that's like over a Saturday and a Sunday. So it's like eight sessions. So it's just a lot of pressure to be absolutely 100% successful at a skill eight different times over the course of two days, um, as opposed to just like one or two things, like a different way to approach something or like a really good timing cue or like, again, like a piece of choreography that's cute or whatever, you know? Another, um, a really common thing that happens is like 
people like <clears throat> sign up for a festival and they look at it as like this is like a real investment in my education and they like see like what the selection of classes are and they're like okay extended standing hand-to-hand front tucks base conditioning uh advanced basing strength things and <laughs> then they dance. do that they do that twice so they'll do that uh they'll do a friday intensive they'll do that on saturday and sunday and then on monday they feel like they've been absolutely destroyed, destroyed. <laughs> um and that's also you know they also made sure that they based every person that was at the festival in a standing hand-to-hand especially the really big guy um and you know if you do like seven hours of hard movement in a day, three days in a row, that's going to be like really intense on your body. So like learning how to pace yourself at these things and kind of learning what, like, what is like, what are you going to get out of an acro festival or like, what is an acro festival going to be best for lets you kind of go into it with the best mindset. So in my mind, like getting introductions to skills that like you just previously didn't have the exposure to i think that is a really great way to do it because a lot of times the beginning uh stages of uh, a skill like can kind of come together rather quickly and that's how you can kind of like leave with like a new chunk that you can work on um things that i wouldn't say they're great for is like repping it out um (laughs) Like, you know, like really drilling the skill into the ground, Um, which, you you know, if it's not a physically intense thing, that might be good. But if it's like a really, if it's it's really your peak skill level or your peak strength level and like you feel getting more tired rep by rep, like you want to make sure you're not doing that in session one. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about it, it's, it's not like your training session, right? So... Um, if you're sort of a generalist and you do L basing and standing acro and like, you know, other stuff, all you might have a day that's like more standing acro in your training. And then you might have a day that's like more pops and whips in your training, but then you go to a festival and you're doing all of it. <laughs> so you're going to get a few reps at things. Um, and then most of the time, teachers are excited to be there too and they have a 75 minute session or a 90 minute session to like deliver what they've prepared um so you're not necessarily going to get a ton of practice time in between every demo yeah often i've seen people go to festivals and take notes and i think this can be a really useful thing sometimes some teachers will let you uh video like the progressions at the end of the session um a lot of times people won't want you to actually like video them when they're teaching. Um, but yeah, you can get the exposure to these things. You can like feel it and like notice what's hard and what's easy. You can get maybe a little bit of feedback from the instructor, but like approaching it with like um, a little bit more of a playful attitude, like really treating like festivals as a little bit more of like the celebration of your practice rather than like, this is like my, this is my circus school. Um, because like, you know, there are things that are more like tailored to long time, long term, like gains or getting you to a higher skill level. But, um, the thing with festivals also is that it's not, uh, directed, like you're not put on like a path by a coach. Mm-hmm. You're kind of offered like a smorgasbord mm-hmm. of, uh, classes. And I think this is great because you get to choose what is interesting to you. And especially if you're somewhere in the world that there's not as much um, content or like even you're just newer and you haven't had exposure to some of these things, um, a festival can be a really great way to just kind of like show you what's out there. So if we have some tips for people attending their first festival, I think kind of near the top of the list would be just like safety considerations. Yeah, I think that with the, where does like the safety come into this? Be safe. (laughs) Um, So the reason why it can be like a little bit of a different situation than like your normal acro class or even your normal jam is like there's going to be a lot of people potentially 
This might be your first time ever practicing in this space on these mats. It can be loud at a festival. Yeah, you might not be able to hear your partner particularly well. You might be practicing a new skill that you just learned in a class, or you might be practicing with a person that you've never worked with or rarely worked with. Um, the physical environment is often different than where your local class is too. Like a lot of them are hosted in cheerleading or gymnastics gyms. So sometimes there's equipment sitting around that you might not be useful used to. Um, or you might be on a floor, a type of surface that feels a little bit different. Yeah, we've been to acro festivals that had like pretty thin uh, mats. And we've also been to acro festivals that have like sprung floors. Uh, so... You know, not all landing surfaces are created equal. There's acro festivals that are outside, where usually the ones that are out, for the most part, like hard standing skills, people don't try to teach those on grass. Um, so even outdoor ones might have like puzzle mats. But um, yeah, safety, you're gonna be in a different environment. And because you're in a different environment, um, it's just like easy to for unexpected things to happen. Um, you just might not notice where like foot traffic is in the space. You may just have a different idea of where the skill is going than a different than your partner. Like sometimes when I'm doing acro with someone, like I'll take something for granted that like Emily is going to do this thing when I do this thing. And then the person is like, huh? Mm -hmm. And like, oh. You're not that's, Emily. That's not that's <laughs> not something that like everybody does. <laughs> Um, yeah. And then also, like we mentioned before, you're going to, you might be tired because like by the end of a festival, this might be like the most, this could easily be the most intense practice session of acro you've ever had. It can also be <clears throat> a little bit difficult to perceive tiredness in these situations, um, just because it is exciting, you know, or if it's things you haven't done before, you don't really have much to compare it to. Yeah. So, um, I think for, uh, I guess this falls under safety is it can be difficult to do this towards like the last days of the festival, depending on how long it is. If you were there Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday morning, you're like, oh, fuck my body. I want to sleep in or whatever. You kind of scoot in right at the last minute before things get started. Um, but you really, really like pay attention and warm up, I think is something to note. Um, if you dive right into session one and your body's not warm, you know, like things can get a little wonky. Yeah. To me, <clears throat> knowing what you need to like move your body successfully is a really important part of this. Um, and everyone's different. So like you might know that you need like a certain amount of movement in your day before you are going to be able to safely do acro. Um, or you might be someone that knows that like, you know, like you have your 15 minute like thing and that's what you just have to do to get warm. And then it's like acro time and you're not going to, you don't want to waste your energy on like doing something different. So like sometimes there'll be lead warmups at these things. Um, and that might be great for someone that like doesn't know how to lead their own warm up. But if you know how to warm your own body up, um, I think that's always kind of like keeping that level of consistency uh, lets you like move about your sessions without, um, you know, at least like that factor being completely different. Not that you're going to be able to do that every single time and you'll never compromise on like your routine because like, you know, like you don't want to be the person in the corner doing their two hours of prehab <laughs> while like everyone is doing having fun learning in locates <laughs> you know unless that's unless like you you unless that's what you want to do and then you do that um really being consistent with uh drinking water it can again be tough to remember because i mean i can speak to having been an instructor at a festival like <clears throat> we want to get all our material in in the time allotted um so we're not like specifically giving water breaks necessarily um so really stay on top of that even like what you're eating, um, because often if you've traveled in, you don't necessarily know what the local food situation is. Um, so just try not to give your body anything that's like wildly different from your normal home routine, I yeah. would say. If there's an option for treating your body well in the lead up to it, 
So, you know, everyone's going to be different, but like, you know, getting adequate sleep for you, like if you're going to fly on a plane to get to where you're going, knowing that um, you're giving yourself like time to really rest and you're not just trying to like save time because, you know, it's a physically demanding thing and, you know, you want to take care of yourself. Yeah. So also you don't have to do every single session. Yeah. Even. Like you can show up to an acro festival and like you can take the third session off. You could take the fourth session off. You might even sleep in on like the second day because like you're just feeling really toasted and you want to like be able to finish strong. That can feel like a difficult balance to strike. I understand like, especially if you've maybe stretched your budget a little bit to you know, to attend, um, or to pay for your Airbnb or your flight. Um, and it's like, you really want to get your money's worth, but, um, it is always possible too to be more like observing, um, in certain sessions rather than participating and you're still getting the information you can take notes. Um, and if that feels like safer on your body, better that than coming out of the weekend with an injury. Um, and just, you know, to note, like these, depending on which festival we're talking about, they are fairly large events. We've been to some really big festivals. Um, to a certain extent, it's a little bit statistics where coming out of, at, you know, I've kind of worked in the medical capacity um, at some festivals. If we come out of a weekend where there's 300 people in a room doing acro um, and there's like two minor injuries for that whole weekend, um, that's, that's usually a success, I would say. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is in acrobatics does have like inherent risks to it. Um, that is why we kind of like say like, be careful, like in like the worst case scenario, we've seen people get like heat stroke at a festival, or we've also seen uh, people like taken away in an ambulance. Uh, luckily they came, they were fine, but someone like hit their head uh, because just stuff happens sometimes. Um, and like more minor things like ankle sprains and like, um, even um, someone got bopped in the nose, <laughs> bloody nose. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things that can happen. Um, people's overuse injuries might start flaring up. Um, people might have low back pain. There's like a lot of like small things that can happen just because it's a lot of movement and it's a lot of like highly demanding physical stuff. I can't think of a festival that didn't have sort of a protocol in place. Um, you know, so that might be something to be aware of going into it as a first timer, like who is the point person for medical issues? Usually um, festivals will announce like the person in the red shirt is, or this is, this is Steve. <laughs> Shout he's, out to Steve in Colorado. <laughs> Steve's, Steve's a doctor. He's pretty good at handstands. <laughs> Respect, dude. Um, and a fine voice as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's going to be people there that are like, you know, on site there for you to help. Usually they are some kind of doctor or physical therapist or If you are paramedic. at a festival and you can't find anyone else and I'm there, you can, you can grab me. <laughs> she says she doesn't want you to do that, but she like always <laughs> manages to volunteer the information that they can do it. So I think like she at least likes to be asked, yeah. but, um, anyway, the, yeah. So, but those things are going to happen just like Emily said, because of statistics. Um, but you know, you can not be a statistic, <laughs> um, you know, like it, at the end of the day, like if you go in like pretty cognizant that you don't want to get an ankle sprain, like you'll probably be you have a, a good, little bit more aware you have of your a good, surroundings. Yeah, you have a good chance of not spraining your ankle. You mm -hmm. might choose to not do skills that are um, gonna have challenging landings. Um, you also might just uh, pay more attention to how you're doing things and how you're landing because you know, like it's usually gonna be things that you're not expecting that are gonna injure you. Yeah, and maybe just um, being slightly more considerate of like your vocabulary and language. Um, it is true that when people come from different areas, like people call skills different things sometimes. Um, so if you're working with someone that's like a new friend um, or you're, you're teaching someone or they're teaching you, um, if they've, you have a clear pathway um, for the skill, you know, so like how are we coming out of it or 
like what is your tempo or you know things like that where uh, eliminating the possibility for misunderstandings or miscommunications is also um, going to keep you a little bit safer I'd say yeah so you know adequately communicating um, before any skill um, also communicating that you don't that you're not that you don't want to do a skill mm -hmm. is a really important thing um, you know, being willing to say no uh, when someone asks if you want to do um, anything is really key because, you know, you might be a base, you might be a flyer, and it can be really tempting that you don't want to, like, let someone, you don't want to let someone down. You also might, like, not want to, like, seem afraid or you don't want to uh, seem that you're not strong enough. Um, but like, you know, trying to make something happen when you personally know, like, you don't have the capacity at the moment um, with the other person thinking like, oh, yeah, they're ready to go. They, they want to base this like you're just that's where you start to like, you know, you're taking one for the team and or you feel like you're taking one for the team and. You don't need to. We could do like maybe a whole episode on this at some point, um, you know, communicating within Acro. But um, just to give everyone like a little nugget um, in in improv, like uh, there's this yes and concept, um, and in communicating around Acro, you can say like no but if you. If maybe you're interested in learning something with a person but the skill that they've proposed seems a little iffy for now, um, you could just offer something else. Um, or maybe you don't want to do the peak skill, but you can do one of the progressions or a couple of the progressions. Um, or no, but find me later for some handstands. You know, like that's, yeah. that's totally valid. And, you know, a big part of this is we're trying to, you know, if you say, if someone comes up and they ask you like, hey, would you base me in a hand-to-hand? -hand? And you say, nope. It feels a little cold. <laughs> um, so usually also just like not straight up like saying no is kind of like, is this a skill that, like for one, if it's like you as a base that's like questioning whether you think this is appropriate, um, you can say, have you flown this before? Or, oh, is that a skill that you work on much? And if they say like, oh, this is my first time, you might say like, oh, well, you know, I'm actually a little bit tired, but maybe we can do it down low first. Um, or maybe we can try, maybe have you, well, how about we base, how about we do it too high first and just like see how that feels. So there's always this like uh, giving them another option if that feels like appropriate to you. Or like Emily said, um, no, not them, or maybe not right now, I'm feeling a little bit tired, but maybe find me a little bit earlier tomorrow and I'm happy to play. Mm -hmm. Or no, I'm only working with my partner for this festival, um, but you can have a high five. <laughs> yeah, um, communicating in Acro is like a whole, a whole thing. Um, you know, there's a social element, but that's also one thing if you're going to a festival for the first time, like, remember there is a social element. It's fun. Like one of the coolest things I think about the festival circuit um, in the U.S. at least is we now have connections, friends even, <laughs> in several cities. Um, and if we are traveling, like we can say, we can post on social media like, hey, we're in town. Does anyone want to hit up a park? Um, and jam or is anyone training handstands today and there's probably people that we've met because of being at a festival together um, that's one of the best parts so if you're going into a festival for the first time just remember that's one of the things that you're going to come away with yeah I think getting to meet new people getting to see your friends at the festival is really one of like the best parts at this point. Like, of course we love getting to do acro with them and sometimes we get to do like really fun acro or even like learn new things. But for us at this point, like it's just getting to see people that we want to see um, as, is one of the really big things. Um, I think that's a pretty good place for us to wrap it up today. Um, if you want to experience an acro festival coming up really soon, <clears throat> probably like a month 
less than two months from when this episode gets released, we'll be having the Cirque House Festival in New York City. It's at our new circus training facility, Cirque House. It's in Midtown Manhattan. It's a beautiful space, um, floor-to-ceiling windows, almost, but the ceilings are really tall, so you're not going to complain about how tall the windows are. Uh, really a lot of space for doing acro um, aerial points in the downtime, also spotting belts. Um, yeah, you get to come check out the place. We have some really great uh, teachers coming in. I'm going to just rattle off names. John, Rhea, Micah, and Christine, Laura, LeBron, Joseph Gray, Mendel, Bassam, Emily, <laughs> Sean. Sean, Sean too. There's more. There's Ryan a, Gibson. Ryan Gibson. Elise, I don't know how to say your last name, but you're amazing. <sighs> you do amazing things. Mad respect. Camp. Glenn and Emily. <laughs> Glenn and Emily. Other Emily. Temple. Acro. Acro.temple. Temple.acro. Yeah. I don't know which one it is. Glenn.com. Temple.acro. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so come play with us. Um, There's more teachers also. Uh, this event will have acro offerings as well as solo movement offerings during each session. So um, if you don't want to do a partner skill and you want to work on your one arm handstand instead, um, or if you want to learn some floor work, that will be available. Or beginning handstands, yeah. simultaneous handstand sessions for <laughs> levels. Um, yeah, so if you have any questions about it, hit us up. Um, the tickets are available at cirquehouse.com. Slash events. Cirquehouse is spelled C-I-R-Q-U-E-H-A-U-S. I should know that <laughs> for some reason. Dot com. Dot. That's the period. C-O-M. Slash events. <laughs> Is it actually slash events? If you go to circles.com, there's an events page, yeah, and you yeah. can mm -hmm. click on that. No promises if you, uh, that it's, it might be events. Oh. Come find us. If it says 404, error not found. <laughs> Try just, again. Just take, just take away the events portion of that. <laughs> but, uh, okay, but you get it. There's, it's going to be fun. There's a lot of stuff happening. I might give you a high five if you ask nicely. And, uh, oh, the show. The show is going to be great. The Cirque House Holiday Spectacular. What's that? I guess you have to find out. So thanks for joining us for another Chats About Acros. Tune in next week. We'll talk to you then. About stuff. <laughs> See ya. Bye, everyone. Warrior Bridge is a leading provider of online instruction in handstands, flexibility, movement, and partner acrobatics. Classes are filmed daily from our downtown Manhattan studio and live streamed around the globe to meet you wherever you are in the world. Our classes offer students the unique opportunity to receive real-time feedback and answers from expert instructors and connect to a movement community that spans the globe. If you aren't able to attend class in real time, you can catch class replays at any time via our on-demand library. Head over to warriorbridge.com to learn more.